OHL hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Originating from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope. All right, I know I'm not opping the board, so you'll have to bear with me on the quality of this, but uh, I just want to play a little something here. Just bear with me. I paid my dues. <laughs> Oh, Freddie. Farwell committed the crime. Wow, even some some of your own lyrics. It was a mistake, wasn't it? Are you saying (laughs) that I am the champion? I made a few. You know, here's the funny thing. Just wait, here we're getting there. Okay. Took a while. Come on, Freddie. Yeah. I think I've heard this before. Pope is the You realize right, We're going to get sued for using that Yes, Exactly, with all the money That Rogers has It cannot pay the royalties To the estate of Freddie Mercury It just doesn't work that way I don't way. think it was more than 30 seconds oh, So I think we're okay Whatever the case may be uh, Okay, you know what? Clearly, we both did our prep for this episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast. I'm Farwell, by the way. That jerk over there is Pope. And uh, I had a question I wanted to ask, and I I really, like, I put some thought into it. I came up with it. I thought this is going to be a good question to spark some conversation. But before I even asked it, you're right. So let's just... Oh, what's that sound? What's that sound? Oh, yeah. A nice, nice box of Molson Canadian. So thank you for paying your debt. Yep, slide that over here. I'll pass I'll take it right it. over there. There we go. Oh, that nice. Now, oh, you even got the one with the nice glassware in it available free for a limited time. Stanley Cup champions glassware. You know, collect the, one of three. The irony in this. Hopefully, we get the Leafs glass out of there. I'm going to leave it up Only to you. Only Leafs glass because we're close to Toronto. Nice. Yeah. Because the Leafs are going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Oh wait, I should stop with the predictions. Um, I'm going to leave it up to you since it's your case. But by all means, yeah, that's the way this podcast should go now. The, the, irony, the irony in me paying this debt today, thanks, buddy. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> thanks for the free case of beer. Is that this is not my brand, but I picked up the, co- the, the case of Canadian because that's what you asked for, and you are the winner of this particular wager. The irony in this is that I picked up that case of Canadian just as I was returning from St. Jacob's, Ontario. Ah. Where we were brewing the latest edition of Face for Radio IPA in support of cystic fibrosis, coming out on May the fifth from your friends at Block Three. Shameless plug. All part of the Farwell for Hire campaign kicking off in May. Where, if you want Farwell to do something, he'll do it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It really is. Yeah, I might even bring you a case of beer yeah. if you ask me to. <sighs> what a win that was, Frank Mahovlich on the glass. Just I like for the it. I like it. The bet was that. The London Knights would win the Western Conference. The mistake I made was giving Pope the field. And it was London versus everybody. Having said that, I think in fairness, you were on the Saginaw train from day number one. I was. Yeah. Um, Well, maybe not day number one. I believe I was probably on the Guelph train at one point uh, after the deadline, given what they did. Um, But you were on the Guelph train pretty early. And I think we made this bet pretty early, didn't we? Well, I was on the London train, yeah. Oh, sorry, that, yeah, that's what it's, I meant, London train pretty early. I was. Uh, yeah. I, even, and, and some people have asked since the Guelph-London series went the way that it did, uh, is there regret in London for not spending more to get the likes of Nick Suzuki in, onto their team as opposed to allowing Guelph just to go out and build that super team? London did go out and get, of course, Kevin Hancock, but I do believe that I still believed all the way along that with Formington and with Foodie and with Bouchard, who can control a game from the back end, not to mention the better goaltending, that this London team was destined for another Western Conference championship. But boy, was I wrong. Well, and remember, those people that are asking that, that when it came down to it, London only had one card left. So they shot their shot with Kevin Hancock. Right. Who, who was phenomenal. And came at the right price. It, exactly, and was phenomenal when he went to London. So if you wanted a Nick Suzuki, yeah, you could have went and got him, but he, he alone probably would have been quite expensive. 
and they they had an OA spot. They thought, let's go out and get a goal scorer. Suzuki is more of a setup guy. He scores the goals, but he is more of a setup guy. And they needed that pure goal score on that London hockey club to open things up. And that's what Hancock did. All he did was score goals this year. Okay, so much to talk about around what was an incredible series that cost me a case of beer, but also saw history in the making as Guelph came all the way back to beat London. Before we get into talking more about the series, and I get to that question I want to ask you, Popper. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been called out on Twitter at underscore Chris Pope or at Farwell underscore OHL. Oh, you guys, what are you going to say about your prediction last week? You're right. Here's what we said on last week's episode of the podcast. London can get through Guelph, and I'm feeling pretty good about that because you chirped me before this series, but I'm like, well, Frig, we we got one more to go, and it's not getting any easier. However... Boy, does Saginaw look good. But this London team... Holy cow. Come on with this London team. Oh, I'm more impressed with Saginaw right now. Are you really? Well, yeah, that's why I took the bet. Fair Um, enough. I'll be honest. I didn't expect... London to do what they're doing to Guelph. That is, I didn't think they'd get through Guelph, let alone so easy. So where was I wrong? <laughs> I didn't think they would get through Guelph. They didn't. And cheers to that, my okay. friend. Okay. So here's the question I've been waiting to ask oh. you. I was preparing to ask this question of you, okay? Yep. Which would you rather... Losing a series in seven games after being up three nothing, mm-hmm. or mortgaging probably the next two years for sure, likely three years of your franchise by trading nineteen draft picks and three players for your shot at the crown and falling well short. Which would you? Which position would you rather be in? Ask me. In 14 or less games. So it matters to you? Why? why? Because if Guelph makes it to the final dance, I'm, it's worth it. But I'm, I'm not talking about Guelph. See, that's what I'm asking you. This is a real-life decision in the Ontario Hockey League right now. You have a team... Yeah, well, in, then, then, then I'd rather, much rather be in Guelph's shoes. They're still not, in it. I'm not talking about Guelph. Well, you said, mortgage their, you said mortgage their future for the next three or four years. Have you heard of the Niagara Ice Dogs? Ah, touche. This is what I'm asking you. So mm. you're, you're London, okay? And you're up three I, nothing, and you get you get your heart torn out from. Am I a player? or Am I in front office? I don't care. You're you're you could be a fan for all I care. I'm I'm asking you yeah. which city would you rather be in right now? The city where you were up three nothing and lost four straight in the reverse sweep, or in the city where you went for it all and you sold away the future and you won one playoff round? In other words, what I'm asking you is which is worse, Popper? Because yeah. I think that's a legitimate question. <laughs> for sure. Well, yeah, it is. I, I just think it, the easy answer is Niagara is way worse. I would much rather be the London Knights that you are one of what f- five teams to have to blow a three nothing lead. I think it's the first time it's happened when it's been a top seed in the conference. In Niagara, you finally did what you've wanted to do. You pushed in. You went out. You made your big moves. You made them early because you wanted team chemistry. You went out and got the guys you wanted. And in fact, it is a team that you traded with that spanks you out of the playoffs. Hello, Oshawa. Wowzer. I love the, we talked about it at the deadline. I loved what Oshawa did. Brandon Sajan, huge fan. Loved their back end. Loved their goaltending. How about going out and getting Brett Newman? Brett Newman. He, he was underrated pickup. Underrated pickup. And he came cheap. If I remember, I was blown away by the cost. What Niagara did, and to exit that early, they thought they would go in there and steamroll Oshawa. And they ran into a guy named Kyle Kaiser. Exactly. Exactly. So Game changer. While we're on that subject, why don't we hear from Jen's captain, Kyle McLean? I know we're bouncing around a bit. We'll get, we've got so much to talk about with that Guelph-London series, but you talk about playing against your former teammates, the team that you made one of the big deals with. You get Studnika, you get Brassard, you're going to beat the team they used to play for, and you didn't. So we talked to Kyle Kaiser the captain of the Gens, who are into the East final versus Ottawa. Kyle McLean. Kyle Kaiser the goaltender. is the goaltender. It's, so okay. we it's talked, the Molson Canadian. It'll get you. <laughs> we talked to Kyle McLean, the captain of the Oshawa Generals, who are now into the East final versus Ottawa, about what it was like 
to play those former players and knock them off. Oh uh, yeah, obviously it's uh, sometimes weird playing against uh, old teammates and friends, but uh, in playoffs and you know they're not wearing our jersey, so they're not friends while we're on the ice. But uh, you know afterwards, said hi to all of them. You know that's the way it goes. But uh, yeah, I think we're motivated to uh, to win, and I don't know if that had any extra motivation, but uh, you know we're we're happy to get the series over with, and uh, yeah. You talked to them at all since the series is done? Uh, I saw them just in the handshake line. You say, you know, you say, good job and, and how you did, and then shoot them a text afterwards. But that's about it. And, you know, like I said, they're not friends uh, while you're on the ice, but afterwards you can, uh, you can still have those relationships. I wish they would have brought Jack Studnika to that press conference. What was the feeling like going through that line as the former captain to shake hands with the new captain, and you just lost. I notice how you just mentioned the handshake, which Kyle McLean mentioned in that brief interview we just heard, or those comments. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk more about handshakes in a second, and I'll tell you what Jack Studnika cares. He's he's in Providence. He doesn't care anything right now. Oh, I, right? No, I still think you care. Of That's course. embarrassing. You, you, well, That's flat-out embarrassing. Sure it is, but... How, and this is one of the things we've talked about around the building of these super teams. How much skin is in the game? You've you've been a Man, Niagara that, Ice Dog for what three months? I know off, it hurts. That, that offense though that you built for Niagara, like I saw a couple, th- and there were some not so nice things being said online about the Niagara Ice Dogs organization. No kidding. If you want to go back, we previously talked with their general manager, Joey Burke, <laughs> on a previous episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast. Um, but there were some not-so-nice things being said, and some of them I think were true, some of them not so true. I just can't believe the picks that they doused out and the offense they created, and they couldn't get by Oshawa. And Notice, Kyle Kaiser, and, you mentioned it before. Well, he's a game-changer. Absolutely. He might be the most underrated goalie in the league. And he was starting for Team USA at the World Juniors. Let that sink in. That's how much he's not talked about in this Ontario Hockey League. I just can't, like, the offense that was built in Niagara, that is a punch in the gut. And good luck rebuilding that team. There's some pieces there that they can still move, but not a lot. I'm with you. Uh, I think it's close that it's worse to be in Niagara right now than it is in London. But you want to talk about the online vitriol that's out there. And let's be honest, online is what it is. People hide behind their anonymous Twitter accounts and say all kinds of things. But the London Knights are the team that most fans in the Ontario Hockey League love to hate. And in fairness, it's largely because London wins and London wins consistently. You can say what you want about what you think is going on. You can spin whatever conspiracy theory you want to spin. It was the aforementioned Niagara Ice Dogs that were slapped with sanctions by the league this year for recruiting violations. So just forget about all of that stuff and be honest with yourself. You hate the London Knights because they beat your team and they beat your team often and sometimes they beat your team soundly. So Yes, Ontario Hockey League fans around the league rejoiced outside of London when the Knights suffered their greatest collapse in franchise history. Up 3 nothing, they lose via the reverse sweep to the Guelph Storm. Holy heck. I would much rather, though, <laughs> and keep in mind, what, two of those games were on home ice, right? Because they had home ice advantage. So they, they were up 3 nothing going into game four in Guelph. Yep. And then they lost two on home ice. Yep. Um, I would way, way rather be a London Knight than a Niagara Ice Dog, though. Because as a London Knight, you're thinking, well, okay, see you next year. Because we're going to be in it. And then guess what happens the year after that? See you next year, because we're going to be in it. Yeah, you're right. That, and then that the pedigree. year after that, guess what? <laughs> but this was, still, this was still a team. And, and my bet, my losing bet, ultimately notwithstanding, but... Man, oh man, it didn't just have pieces. It was a team. But they weren't expected to be there. They won the Western Conference. Well, no, I know what I'm saying. They weren't expected to win the Western Conference this year. Well, They were expected to do well next year. They overachieved this year. They did. You talk to anybody around it, they overachieved. That's why they didn't go out and make those big, massive moves that we've seen London do in the past. Because why? They're building for next year, not building for this year. 
This year was a happy coincidence. They got some playoffs experience, and now next year they're going to be pissed. So good luck, OHL. Now you got a pissed off London Knights team. Whether the Hunters will be there, that's a different story. Yeah. What? The, whoa, whoa. What? Whoa. What did he say? You know, this it's the year series... after they leave, just for the record. <laughs> oh, boy. We're not doing so well on the predictions. You might want to... I don't know. We'll see. This series... This free beer I'm drinking says I'm doing great. This series, for me, turned. And I, I can take you right into the living room at home. Because we were watching the game. And, of course, my better half and our daughter are huge Rangers fans. And we're watching the end of the game, and Nick Suzuki scores that empty net goal in game number five. Five, yep, game five, five to make it 3-2. And he gets immediately knocked down from behind by Evan Bouchard. And then... My phone's going off. I'm getting sent to our podcast. That's how much people listen. Sorry, my apologies. <laughs> he, gets, he scores the empty netter, gets knocked down. And then as he's getting back up off the ice, Liam Foodie skates by and knocks him down again. And that is well, just... Well, first, first he got bumped, and then oh, yeah, he, got, he got a little bump to the side of his shoulder and a bit of the head. Then he gets and then cross-checked cross from behind. Checks him down, yeah. Then, and then he gets... comes by. And it's just... <laughs> it's all so bush. It's so... It, harmless in the sense that nothing was vicious or violent, but just be better. Be a better human than that. And in our living room... The the family was full on go London because Guelph beat their favorite hockey team right. in Kitchener, right? Right. So they automatically turned and said, "No, now now I want Guelph to win." Anyway, th- that to me, honest to goodness, and Nick Suzuki's reaction to it all—the little he, smirk. He's like, "Whatever, we just beat you again, and this time, by the way, we beat you in your own barn." Like, yeah. anyway, that that was a turning point to me in the series for a London kid. I'm sure that was oh. pretty fun for Nick Suzuki. He was. Like I loved it. It was they were down three nothing, and all of a sudden George is like, "I paid a lot for this this Suzuki kid. You're now playing forty minutes a game." He was out there constantly, double tri- or double shifted sometimes, triple shifted. It was either Suzuki on the ice or Radcliffe on the ice at all times, and often it was Suzuki and Radcliffe on the ice at all times. That's what happened in Game Seven. You look at the goal scores. And the assist earners in the third period of Game 7, when Guelph came in trailing by one, it was Radcliffe from Suzuki and Dersey. Suzuki from Radcliffe and Dersey. (laughs) It was just the the four of them. Entwistle from Suzuki and Dersey. Entwistle from Suzuki and Radcliffe. Georgia said, you big horses want to run? You run. And that's what worked. And we talk about the Suzukis and the Dersey's name has come up here quite a bit. But what really stood out to me was when it came right down to it, and you talk about Guelph trailing going into that third period in game number seven, and who scores the game-tying goal, and then what turns out to be the game-winning goal, but the homegrown storm boy himself, Isaac Ratcliffe. First rounder in 2015, 70 seconds apart, gets the two goals that propel the storm into the West Final and complete that improbable comeback. The Guelph Storm join just four other teams in Ontario Hockey League history. Back in 1988, the Ottawa 67s came back from 3-0 down to beat the Oshawa Generals. In 2005, the Windsor Spitfires come back from 3-0 down to beat the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. In 2010, the Windsor Spitfires do it again, coming back from 3-0 down to beat the Kitchener Rangers. I to bring that up. In 2014, the Peterborough Peets came back from 3-0 down to beat the Kingston Frontenacs. And now in 2019, the Guelph Storm, just the fourth team overall, because Windsor did it twice, fifth time in OHL history, a team comes back from 3-0 down to win a playoff series in the O. And to do it against the London Knights, this... You rang that off without even looking at a piece of paper. That's impressive. What's that? Man. The, the last the last four. Yeah, well, it's That's only impressive. Four. It's only four. <laughs> I don't even know what you just said. <laughs> you want me to do it again? <laughs> no, it's okay. just impressive. That's but, all. Well, the London Knights did the most... I, I'm going to quote myself from what I put on Twitter, but it's the most un-London thing ever. Sure, don't sweep the series. Okay, maybe lose two and then go, you know into Guelph and finish them, but whatever. You, this doesn't happen to London, and it just happened to London. I got a question for you. Okay. I was thinking about this when watching 
the London players after the loss. And it's it's a bittersweet thing to watch, but I also like it. Because I like to find out which ones took the loss the worst. Which ones are really struggling. And the one that came to mind, for obvious reasons, was overaged goaltender Joseph Raymakers. He was the number one goalie in London all year. Coy was hurt for a while. He was in and out. Come playoffs, they play Coy. Did Dale do that because he knows that they're going for it next year and Coy's going to have to be in the playoffs? That's a great question. It may and it may very well be. Yeah, but no. You know what? You I'll, have an overrage. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm changing my mind you on that. You didn't even put him in one game. You're, you just lost three in a row. You don't play him game seven? Exactly. And and Dale loves his horses, right? And Raymakers would be that horse. Coy, Dale would have no problem saying to Coy, listen, your turn's next year. Sit back, open the gate. This is Raymakers' time to but shine. But then you have a goaltender with no playoff experience. I guess. Because you mean, ran Parsons through the boards. But you right? already, Obviously. yeah, right? And and Hauser back in the day, yeah. they ran through, right? Yeah. It's just, we could go on and on. Uh, listen, I, I know I just this think much. there's something there. Whether Raymakers was hurt or whether Hunter just said, you know what, we're not go- doing it this year. And I know it. No way. You Especially when you're, listen, at what point would you even make that decision? Dale Hunter heading knows, into the Heading into the playoffs. But why, but why would you question yourself then? You're going into the playoffs and you, you sweep round one, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go into, you're up three well, nothing you, in round looked, two. Because I think Dale looked at Saginaw, the role Saginaw came into the playoffs on. I think he looked at Guelph and I think he looked in the East at the likes of Niagara, Oshawa, Ottawa and just said, you know what? This year's been great, but we are overachieving. I want, he knows that team is the team to go for it next year. It would have been different if they would have got. Kachuk back too, who they who ended up playing in Ottawa all season. But I think he looked at it and was like, next year is our year to go for it. We're gonna be we're gonna dominate next year. I want a goaltender that has some playoff experience. Ottawa is the other team that everyone's talking about next year. They're gonna have a goaltender with no playoff experience. I think he started Coy on purpose, thinking Coy's a good goaltender, he can get it done. They're 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 one A one B. They're right there. I don't. Have, I, I think he just said, you know what? I'm going with the guy that's going to be here next year. I don't have any doubt that he did it on purpose. I mean, that's. But I, I, I think don't that's see, why. But I don't see, and that makes sense. Sure, I'll buy that argument. I just don't see. I don't see a point in the playoffs that you would have said, boy, I got to get this guy out of here and go with my other guy. I just. I mean, maybe game seven. Sure, maybe. Uh, and it, it, you're right. That would be heartbreaking for Joseph Raymakers to go out in that fashion because he was powerless to do anything. About I just him. think it's a bold move. If you wanted to actually win, you go with the guy that you've played all year. You don't go with a guy that probably could have had two or three goals in that game seven. Yeah, I'm just uh, saying it's uh, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting. I just one. think that's gutty, isn't it? You have an overage goaltender. You're just like, hey man, you played uh, what? 48 games this year, tough break. You're sitting on the pine because I want to go with a guy I'm going to go with next year. Your junior career is over. Sorry. If I'm Joseph Raymakers, I'm pissed. I think it's a bold move, just like missing the handshake line. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to that. Let's get to that. But while we're, as we finish this off, let's hear from the aforementioned Isaac Ratcliffe storm captain about this big win the comeback over the london knights and was there ever any doubt in the captain's mind of all the changes that were made to the guelph storm this year uh it was you the first rounder from 2015 that got those two goals 70 seconds apart the tying goal and the what turned out to be the winning goal can you walk me through them uh those plays and and what was going through your mind during them i mean well first of all i think uh goes without saying that, uh, I mean, it really took everyone else on the ice to, to kind of get those things done. And, I mean, it started that first one with uh, a nice draw from Zooks, and I was just uh, lucky enough to get the right spot and just kind of fire one home there. But um, even on that second one, I mean, just driving the back post, and uh, Durs feed me a nice cross-ice pass. So, I mean, I have to credit my linemates to, to those plays there. I mean, we did that as a group, and, um, I mean, that really showed that it's a nice way to cap off that series. I mean, saying that we did it as a group, it's, uh, it's exciting because uh, – I mean, we came back from three games again, and um, it really took, I mean, all guys in that dressing room to come back and, and win that series. So, I mean, it's exciting to get that out of the way, and um, not really too much time to celebrate as we get back right to it here. And 
I'm just really excited to get down to, to Saginaw and get the series going again. Have you had any sleep since that win last night? I mean, barely. I think it was a whirlwind of emotions from, I mean, start to finish last night. And, I mean, even after the game, I think guys were still a little bit in shock that, uh, I mean, we were able to pull that off and then come out of that series. And, uh, I mean, I think uh, we, we we got a quick turnaround here. So, uh, I mean, the rest is going to be the most important thing from now until, uh, until 7 o'clock tomorrow. I can only imagine how deflating it would have felt to be down three games to none, losing that third game on home ice. Uh, how did you keep, as the captain of this Storm team, Isaac, how did you keep the confidence up, keep the team together in believing that they could come back? Thinking about it now, it, it seems like a difficult job. But like George said before, I mean, there's a ton of guys in this locker room who, who could wear the C on their on their sweater too. And, um, as mentioned before, we brought in a ton of new guys. and I mean, uh, all those guys were all leaders on the, on the previous teams as well. So I think... Uh, I mean, we kept the message simple in the room after each game, and, and we knew it was going to be a journey to get back from that. And I mean, after game three, when we lost that in our home rink, I think, uh, I mean, the, the mood in the dressing room still didn't change. I think we were still excited, still confident that we could come back in the series, and we knew that it was just going to be a step-by-step process. And that's exactly how we took it, and that's exactly what we did. Isaac Ratcliffe is too young to be a Backstreet Boys fan, right? Oh, step-by-step. Step-by-step. <laughs> Well-spoken kid, though, eh? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Big, big, big fan of him. Yep. Yeah. And he and the Guelph Storm, as we record this episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast, facing off in Saginaw against the Spirit, who are farther than they have ever been in the Ontario Hockey League playoffs in franchise history. So let's get to the handshake line. And this became a pretty big thing in a pretty big hurry on social media. And again, take social media for what it's worth. But I will say this, as I said on social media, it's not something I have ever seen before in my time covering this league. And in fact, as the conversations went on, because there are a lot of opinions on this, most of them negative, again, to be taken with a grain of salt because it's about the London Knights. And as we talked about earlier in this episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast, everybody loves to hate the Knights. But I referenced 2004 playoffs Owen Sound, Guelph. Guelph is the three seed. Owen Sound's the six seed. The attack take the Storm to seven games. The Storm ultimately prevail. Cam Jansen was a member of that Storm team. And I, I watched that series. Forget the forget the the Cam Jansen that we've come to know through the tail end of his professional career. Cam Jansen was an absolute joy as a young man in the Ontario Hockey League, was the... Off ice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he was one of the last, you know, the last of his kind in the league as it was starting to transition away from the big guys that were there to play a physical role. But he was one of the best interviews I ever had. He had a sense of humor like you would... He was great. He was a lot of fun to be around. But yeah, when you're on the ice against him, you did not want to be on the ice against him. And Mike Stuthers was the coach of Owen Sound. And their exchange in the handshake line... At the end, stood out to me. I couldn't hear. I mean, I was, you know, 100 meters away. But I, I could see that there was something in the exchange. And we found out later from Cam that Mike Stuthers told him then, that night, you're going to be in the NHL someday. That was the opposing coach. So that's just a, a story to tie into how I have, I've just never seen, never seen coaches not go through the handshake line. I don't know that it matters. But I can tell you that I've never seen a coach not do it before. And quite frankly, just like we were talking earlier about being a better human, be a better human. I I completely agree with you. And here's why he didn't. And I have no problem. I will be the first one to tell you that he might be the best junior coach ever. With all due respect to Killer. With all due respect to everybody ahead of him on the wins list. He's never had a season where he's been under 500. That to me is ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. He shows through his actions at times that he's very thin-skinned. Doesn't like when you say something negative about his franchise. Doesn't like when you criticize his players. Doesn't like when you criticize his coaching. He was hurt. He was hurt. And he was upset. And he said, I'm shaking George's hand and I'm out of here. I don't want to be here. I'm not shaking these players' hands. These players' hands that beat my London Knights. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. He was hurt. See, I want to I want to believe that because that it's a logical, rational explanation. But 
That's not what grown-ups do. I, I'm sorry. I don't Who care. Who said he was a grown-up? Well, but this is... Listen, I, I don't know. Because, I, you know, it's funny. So, in all of the back and forth, I, I got a message just today from a fellow OHL broadcaster who's been in the league quite some time. And we went back and forth, and, and we ended up talking about... And so, this, this broadcaster mentioned two times in his entire time in the league that he has had a conversation with Dale Hunter. Two times. I've had one. And th- that time... I never have. That time, I shouldn't even call it my conversation, Dale Hunter walked into the media room in Kitchener one night before a game and sat, da- sat down, uninvited, not that I'm, I was t- trying to tell him to get lost, but and started talking to Don Cameron like they were long-lost buddies. And, no shocker. Right? <laughs> but but there were other times that he would come into the room and not say a word to anybody, including mm-hmm. Don and I sitting at the table together. But he sat down on this particular night, and I'd never heard the man speak until then. A lifetime ago, when I was early in my broadcasting career, and we always had to do a pregame interview briefly to get a coach's comment from the opposition for our broadcasts in Kitchener. When London came to town... Dale always sent an assistant. He never came to do it himself. I didn't know what the man's voice sounded like until that night sitting in Kitchener when he started talking to Don and they exchanged some stories and that was it and he was gone. So I don't know the man. I, I just I can't I can't speak for yeah. you know his his level of maturity or his immaturity but well, that, that was, does that strike was me. immature. That's what that's what I mean. When I mentioned like that's that's not him acting like a man. It it really isn't. And and you don't see a lot of it often and I think a lot of it is when you're upset and in the heat of the moment. I don't think Dale's the person that really cares what you and I think about him skipping a handshake line or what he thinks about Isaac Radcliffe thinks or anyone else in this entire world. I don't think he cares what anyone else thinks about him skipping that handshake line. It's interesting you say that because I had the opportunity to speak to Storm head coach George Burnett and I asked him, George, was there a breach of etiquette here? Does it bother you? That Dale Hunter didn't go in the handshake line? And George is old school. I know. That's why I wanted to ask him the question. Great question. And here's the answer. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not here to talk about anybody else's team. I got enough of my own concerns with my own team. And uh, Dale was uh, very uh, uh, gracious in his comments to me at the, with the handshake uh, after. And, and what happened thereafter is uh, uh, I, uh, there's no need for me to make comment on it. That's fine. No need for him to make comment on it. That's fine. Part of me thinks, did, he, did George politely just tell me to fuck off? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. And I kind of feel bad then because I like George an awful lot. I don't mean to offend him with the question, but I'm it's genuinely not, yeah. curious. It's not his first rodeo. He's not a chance is he going to get into a war of words, especially when it comes to Dale Hunter and the London Knights. Why? What does that have to do with George and the Guelph Storm? We know George. He's... He might be the most gracious person I've ever met with his time. He's never said no to an interview. Let you do whatever you want. Sure, just make sure you're within the time constraints that you're allowed to do it within. Exactly. Be on and, time. And do not be a minute late. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm always terrified whenever the storm are in town. You and Greg Brady of Sportsnet 590 <laughs> yeah. The Fan. Not on time and George Burnett let you have oh, it. Oh, did he ever. He still let me do the interview, but he said, your only warning. Okay, sir. I will do this quick interview. And I think it was like a two-questioner with Nate Schnarr. <laughs> he, he was almost laughing. I was so white. Um, but no, it's not George's first rodeo. He's not going to give London any more bulletin board material or anything like that. And But London's out. Right, but why? But why? It's just it serves no purpose to George, yeah. and he doesn't say anything that doesn't serve pr- purpose to George. It's not what he does. He's been around this league forever. And is it? I, I really don't. I don't know. Going down the handshake line is something I feel that has become so awesome to see in sport. But when you're in that moment, and I've been in that moment, the last thing you want to do is go anywhere near the other team, let alone shake their hands. And do I do I care if a coach comes down the line? No, not at all. He he at least shook. It'd be different if he just walked to the room. But he at least shook the other coach's hands. So I give him credit for that. Does he need to shake the other players' hands? Why? Why? Well, see, and that's why I was really curious about your perspective on this. And, and in fairness, 
it's why I wondered what George would say when I asked him the question, because I haven't been in that line. And I know it sucks to lose. I hate to lose. To this day, I hate losing a hand of poker. I mean, mm. come on, right? Nobody likes that. But you just, you got to be better than that. You got to be better than that as a human being. I'm uh, going to say I'm coming, I think I'm coming around. Time. I think I'm coming around. Stop it. Don't I come am. around. No, you're not. I think I am. But wh- why? Why does he have to? Where does, where does it say he has to? Oh, I'll... T- I'll tell you. I'll tell you where it says he has to. Okay. What What is this? We, we call why did these... we Why did we start doing handshakes after all of a sudden? I love the handshake line. Don't get me wrong, but why does the coaching staff? Why does the second assistant trainer have to go down the handshake line? Right. We We call these these games that we enjoy so much sports, right? Mm-hmm. And sports is short for sportsman or sportsmanship. Huh. That's what this is all about. Be a sport. Don't be a jerk. I'm sorry, but I I think it's. And again, it's simply the rarity of this that makes it notable. But I'm not listen. Not I, everybody no, needs to be a good person. I when of it comes not. to sports. Well, no, you're right. You're right. I've just okay. So here's the thing. Because I have seen Dale Hunter coach in this league. He, I was in this league when Dale Hunter came into this league. Okay, so I have seen Dale Hunter win and lose playoff series before this one. This is the first time he has not gone through the line. Why now? This what? is what I mean. It's a one-off. It's not like he always does it when he loses. And then when he wins, he goes down the line. So what he went over to George. Time? Well, him and George have been through some battles, I'm sure. Maybe it was an old-timer. And he said, you know what? I'm going to George first. And then he's like, line's almost done. No point in me going through this line line's now. Line's almost done. It's never... You, those lines take forever. I just don't... It. What purpose... What, what are the Guelph Storm players that were in that line that didn't get to shake Dale Hunter's hand, missing from shaking Dale Hunter's hand. Yeah, I, I got that for sure. Right? Nothing. Do they do they care at this point? I don't know. No. Probably not. But He went there, he shook the other coach's hand, they went through the coach's line, they did their little thing there. I got no problem with it. Do we see head coaches at the National Hockey League level go through the line? No, they shake each other's hands, and then they take off. No, not entirely. Most do. It's it's becoming less... You shake the co- other coaching staff's hand and then you leave. Yeah, it's becoming less common at the pro level for sure. Right? For like, sure. What's but the point? The point, I guess, of this podcast and what we try to do for this podcast is to move on to the conference finals and figure out who the hell is going to win these things. Uh, it's Guelph, Saginaw in the West, Ottawa, Oshawa, sorry Niagara, and Sudbury in the East. Uh, we had a chance to catch up with... Spirit head coach Chris Lazary. This is the team that you're all in on in the West. They're my pick for the West. Yeah, yeah and definitely. they, they kind of were as we were coming into the playoffs. That's why you felt good about your London. Yeah, I, this is the matchup I thought would be the Western Conference Final. I think this is going to be Saginaw's toughest test. Obviously, with the way Guelph is going, I just think when you're coming off a four-game essential sweep while facing elimination against London. Are you coming in hot or are you coming in coming off that cliff? Like have you have you reached your pinnacle? Can you get back to that? I it's going to be tough and you're going to need to cuz Saginaw is rolling. Speaking of coming in hot, exactly. Since Chris Lazary takes over as head coach, the team turns it around in a big way and has been humming through the playoffs. We talked with Chris Lazary ahead of this Western Conference Championship. Can you look at this team uh, Chris and and put a finger on what it was that helped turn things around for the spirit this year after you took over? Yeah, I just think the quality of our kids, like our, our dressing room there, we've got, uh, these kids are phenomenal. They come to work every day. We're trying to find ways to get better. Um, you know, they can't wait to ice. you got to drag them off the ice after practice. It's just that type of group. They're hungry to learn. They love to work. Uh, they're a really close group. I think as a coach, George would probably say the same. When you get to sit back sometimes and watch your group interact and you know you've got good people in that room and you, you see the love they have for each other, you just you know you got something special. And, and we've kind of been drawn off that all year that, you know, we're fighting every single day we win a hockey game or every single day that we survive a series. It's another amount of days that we get to play and stay together as a group because no, no two teams are the same year after year. So uh, we love uh, coaching this group. I can say that on behalf of my coaching staff. And I think um, – our guys love playing together, and we, when we go out to take that ice, like we fight for that, that right to stay together every single day here. Like Guelph, I think you have the ability to play uh, a heavy game with some physicality, and also you've got plenty of skill up front. Uh, how would you describe the character of the spirit? Yeah, I think if you're a fan of hockey, you're going to love this series because I think both teams are just so deep, and I think both teams can play any style. And that, uh, 
going to be interesting. I know George has been in this league for a long time. He's an excellent coach, and uh, my staff and I, we've talked about it. We're going to have our hands full here making series adjustments and, and in-game adjustments against George and his staff who have been through the wars a lot. So, um, you know, I think the character of the group, what's, what's fun about coaching this team is you know, we're pulling up video and we're talking about power play or we're looking at anything five-on-five five or adjustments. We really honestly, we say it's a player's coach team, not a coach coach team, and and our players have a lot of input. They see stuff. They think differently than we do. we got some elite hockey minds in that room. I think as a coaching staff, we try to draw uh, ideas out of their brains and make it work. So, um, you know, our character is in such that we're all pulling in the same direction and we're all trying to achieve the same goal. And whatever your role is in that, we just have to be happy and accept that. The Waterloo Siskins, Chris, a team that you coached to a Cherry Cup championship a few years ago, is back as Cherry Cup champions, and they're one win away from the Sutherland Cup final. I'm sure everything you knew about coaching, you learned right here, right? Yeah, no, I've been following that, uh, that that team here through the run. I'm, I'm excited for that franchise. I know they have a good fan base there, and they're enjoying it. So I've, I did learn a lot of lessons through that playoff run that I'm applying now. So you're still sticking with the spirit? Well, in the spirit of things. Well played. Uh, yeah, I, I gotta go. So. With, I gotta go with Guelph. In this. I don't think they're playoff sag at all. Wow! Oh. Did you save those up? <laughs> no. Where were, where were those the during the season? That's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna go with Guelph in this one. I don't know how oh, yeah? you go against them based on what they just did, unless there is that sag in yeah. the game. But uh, I think that's what's gonna happen. I, I, it's good. It takes a lot to get back up to that, right? And and you need to be obviously. If but the Storm team, I've said it all year long. They know where the switch is, and when they hit it, look out. They're they're pretty close right now, but this Saginaw team is going to be a tough test. They're just as big as London. Exactly. London wasn't, or sorry, just as big as uh, Guelph. London wasn't as big as Guelph. These players are just as big as Guelph, and I'm sorry, Guelph's weak spot is still Anthony Popovich. And with all due respect to the London Knights, they don't have an Owen Tippett. And Owen Tippett comes down that wing, takes two strides over the blue line, lets one go by Popovich's noodle. What's going to happen? Hits bar and goes in every time, I'll tell you that, because he's got a heck of a shot. There's some real playmakers on this Saginaw team, a lot of underrated players in that second and third line because nobody watches them because they're from from Saginaw. One of the deepest defensive cores in the West and a pretty good goaltender. One of the best fourth line in the OHL. It's going to be interesting. Well, I think I think the Storm's fourth line will give him a bit of a run. It's only two of them. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Poor Cam Hillis, <laughs> eh? Poor Cam Hillis. Anyway, it should it should be a great series. Yeah. It should be a great series, and we will we will differ on our pick in that. Unlike, by the way, we should go back to this as well, real quick. But you remember last week when we also ran down the award winners in the Ontario Hockey League? Yeah, and we were we were unanimous. Almost well, there were two two picks we differed on, but the one that we we said in unison on. This podcast was Rookie of the Year Cole Perfetti. Right? And it's one point, though. Quinton Byfield. One point. How <laughs> awesome is that? It's awesome. Congratulations to Quinton Byfield. And that's the second prediction we got wrong in last week's episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast. At least with this series, we're gonna, one of us is getting the prediction right. And, oh, 100%. I just think, just going back to that Rookie of the Year, I, like, I'm not upset that Quinton Byfield got Oh, my it. gosh. Me they, either. They were no. right there. Yeah. They were right there. Yeah. All, like... I sent uh, I sent a tweet out saying, take a look at the future of the OHL. Because this r- group of rookies this year, it's unbelievable. It's it's crazy good. Like, you could have, realistically, you could have four or five sophomore players scoring 35, 40 goals next year. Which I think is crazy. And it's a great rookie crop. I'll give it to Quentin Byfield. I got no problem with that. I think Perfetti was better. But one point... It's close. I it's love it. Awesome. I love it too. But I think it's so funny that you and I said in unison yeah, on last week's podcast, wrong. Cole Perfetti, and we were both wrong. Okay. Uh, let's move over to the Eastern Conference where the Ottawa 67s will play host to the underdog Oshawa Generals. Uh, I got to play this answer for you from 67s head coach Andre Turigny because I thought it was, I, I thought it was funny, quite frankly. His team is yet to lose a game in the playoffs. His team was the top team in the OHL through the regular season. So is there some sort of secret to that? We asked Andre Turigny. Yet to taste defeat in the in the playoffs. How do you keep this Ottawa team uh, running the way that it has after such a great regular season, obviously uh, finishing with most points in the league and now 8-0 and in the playoffs? What's the secret to keep these guys focused and running? Short-term memory. I don't remember all, everything you talk about. What's important <laughs> for us is 0-0 in that series. 
And if we want to win four, we have to hurry up because we have to do it inside seven games. And uh, it will be a really tough series. We play against a really good team who has momentum. So everything you mentioned is in the past. The man is not concerned with the past, Popper. I, I love that, eh? <laughs> that oh, it's good. in the past. <laughs> Another guy telling you to screw off. That's twice <laughs> twice in one podcast. My gosh. I don't know. Shut up. <laughs> Ask me something else. No bulletin board material. But I, I, It's a great question. But on the other hand, this isn't the guy who they call the bear, Andre Turney. It's not his first tour around either. What's he going to say? Yeah, we're sick. You know, we've been rolling. We're the best team in this league. Undefeated. Suck it, Oshawa. So, okay. <laughs> Are we, I think we're going to agree that Ottawa wins this series. I think it's a lot closer than people think. Really? Okay, because yeah. I was going to say, do they win it in four games? No, I think it is a <laughs> lot closer than people think. Michael DiPietro has had his struggles in Ottawa. Oshawa has some top-end forwards that can fly. Ottawa is going to need to play the physical game. Niagara wasn't physical with Oshawa, and I think in order for the 67s to win, they need to play that physical game, run them through the boards, always be forechecking. If you could try to get into a back-and-forth game, I think that's the game that Oshawa wants to play. Leave us alone, let us skate, let us create some opportunities. If Ottawa can play physical against the Gens, they have they'll have success for sure, as far as I'm concerned, because they're a bigger, faster team. But if you get just skating without any body contact, I think that's where the Gens might have some success. I think Kyle Kaiser himself can steal, games, right? So I'll make it a six-game series in this case, but uh, I do think Ottawa prevails. Worth noting, and I'm going off the top of my head here, but I'm pretty sure. This is right. Uh, the very best, the very best Ontario Hockey League playoff to OHL championship is 16-2. and two. So with a team 8-0 and oh right now, see if uh, Ottawa can threaten that record. Yeah, because it was 08 Rangers had a chance to beat it? Or, <laughs> yeah, 08 yeah. Rangers had a chance to beat it. And then lost three straight to Belleville? They were 15-1. and one. They were 15-1, and one, the Rangers. And then, yeah, lost three straight to uh, the Belleville Bulls and ended up finishing 16-4 and four through the four rounds. But anyway, we'll see. It's it's a little premature to start talking about that. It's only two rounds in, but Ottawa has been well, you're very there. good. Yeah, right? right. So it's worth at least throwing that out there and feel free, let me know at Farwell underscore OHL if I missed the 16-1 and team in there somewhere, but I don't think I did. Um, what else we got? Nothing. I tell you I was in Chicago last Wait, weekend. I'll tell you what we got. If that's why my voice sounds different. Why do we have empty... Empty bottles. I mean, I know you're the winner. I don't mean to presume that you're going to keep sharing the beer you won, but come on. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you why. Because I was in Chicago on the weekend. <laughs> How was Chicago? This uh, this beverage is giving me the shakes. It's a flashback. Holy cow. I went to Wrigley for the first time. You ever been? Wait. I think I remember seeing your uh, story or picture. Someone, I don't know what I posted. Something on Instagram, but yes, I, I have. I uh, And I loved it. So. I should have put my phone away. I just should have put my phone away the okay, whole time. Okay, clearly I didn't see everything. I have no idea. <laughs> I tried to show um, people that I went to the Shameless house uh, from the show Shameless. Went to went to their home and got a picture. I was showing my girlfriend and she goes, yeah, I know. You you, you texted to me. You posted it on your <laughs> Snapchat. And, oh, did I? Oh, I see. We had some fun. It was a great little bachelor party for my friend JC. Uh, former Ranger Nick Spalling came with us. Nice. Yeah, he was in my car for the ride up and ride down. And it, I, I try to steer away from a lot of the hockey talk with Nick when we're f- around friends and when we're just hanging out because I've, I've been friends with him way before he was a hockey player. <laughs> but I got a couple drinks into me at Wrigley, and then it was interview time. Oh, my God. <laughs> the poor guy. Spalls, I apologize on behalf <laughs> of your buddy, Popper. Yeah. Uh, okay. Who have, is this? Have you Who been to Fenway? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. So I was going to ask Wrigley or Fenway, because it's awfully close. I defer to Fenway in yeah. that regard, but those two. If you Let's just throw the baseball into the podcast, mm. okay? If you have not been to either, get to both. If you've only been to one, get to the other. Yeah. Hands down, the best two ballparks you'll ever visit. Wrigley was, Wrigley was great. A beautiful ballpark. I wish I would have taken more time while inside the ballpark to walk around. Because I really like the concessions and seeing that kind of stuff. Did the walk around outside, went to the dual piano bar, uh, got a picture in front of the Wrigley sign, uh, pet a few policemen, horses. It was fun. 
And, Since and then went to sorry, just went real quick. Just, then went to Lagunitas Brewery on the topic of beverages. If you're ever in Chi Town and you don't go to Lagunitas, you're wasting a trip. It, what, it is a real trip. It's what, like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. What about House of Blues? Never heard of it. Okay. And go to Magnum's, it's a great steakhouse. But since we're on the subject of beverages, real quick, my one story I'll tell you from Wrigley. I went, my buddy and I make the trip. I go to the concession to get a beverage. Mm-hmm. And they denied me. Why? Um, well, because oh, apparently <laughs> I wasn't old enough to buy booze at Wrigley. You must be this tall to ride the ride. And I, if I wear a ball cap, it's the great equalizer for a bald guy like me. But I was pushing 40 at the time. So I show them my driver's license that has a 1971 birth year. Do the math, kids. And they're like, well, I can't accept this. I'm like, it's a, it's a photo ID. And he's asking his manager. His manager says, no. Like, you got a passport? I'm like, who brings their passport to a baseball game? <laughs> so I, I was denied beer at Wrigley, I had to go back to our seats, and my buddy's like, what the hell? I said, you have to go get po- uh, beers, Dad, because they won't serve me. <laughs> and he had to go back and get them. That's hilarious. That's my Wrigley story. I was, I was standing in line to get a bracelet where we need to get a bracelet, and I was kind of, we both, me and this couple kind of, or this couple and I kind of walk up at the same time, and I said, oh, go ahead, please. I said it to the female. I said, go ahead, please. And she goes, oh, you people in Chicago here are just so nice. We're from Florida. <laughs> And I said, oh, are they? I said, I've noticed people here are really nice too, but I'm not from here. I'm from Canada. And she looks at me. She goes, oh, no wonder you're so nice. And then just walked in front of me. I was like, thanks. Okay. You should have, have cross checked her in the back. Know, that right? would have shown you're from Canada. I was like, yeah. The nice thing is to do is to say, okay, now you go first. <laughs> and then we sit there for 20 minutes and nobody goes. It's the Canadian standoff. All right. We've got a uh, Molson Canadian to finish that I. Lost in a bet to Popper. Thanks for nothing, London Knights. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I feel it's uh, important that we shake hands at the end of this podcast, Popper. All right, buddy. All right, we'll reach great, great bet. Great, great job. Bet. Good job. We'll Honorable. Keep, we'll keep everyone apprised of the numerous uh, um, agreements we make next season. <laughs> that we will. If we're back. We're back. I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast, posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.